Welcome to King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. There are 34 strengths in Clifton Strength Finders. You will be tempted to want to know what number 34 is <laughs> and lament that you don't have that strength. Whereas the concept in Clifton Strength Finders is these are your top five strengths. You should focus on them and categorize your life around them. So my five Clifton Strength Finders strengths are one, number one, communication. Uh, number two is woo. Woo is a. Uh, I can't tell you what my father calls it. It's an inappropriate word to say, but uh, woo would be um, you can go into a room and win the room. Maybe it's a good good example of woo, right? Uh, communication, woo. Uh, then um, developer. So a developer is someone who likes to help people reach their potential. Uh, activator. So uh, when something has to get done, an activator will say, we've talked enough about this. Let's do it. And, oh, what's the word? It's another A. Uh, memory. Yes, memory. <laughs> uh, activator and, oh, what's the word? It's on my door. I could go look. Uh, uh, well, I, could t- I know what it is, which is I'm flexible. Flexibility, but it's not the word that they use. Um, so someone someone can go in a room and say, yeah, I can see that side of the story. Let's consider that too. So those are my top five. Adapter, that is the word. Thank you, Karn. Yes. <laughs> Agitator might be on there, that's for sure. So, um, so there is lunch on Saturday. And child care. So how do the so all the staff did the Clifton Strength Finders and what was really neat was to put all of our strength top five strengths chart them so we could see where we were strong as staff and where perhaps we needed to consider adding staff in the future with certain gifts right that's one uh, and then congregationally you look at that how does that help us as, as a mission station let's say we are doing an event where we feel we need a lot of strategic minds. Well, we could then look at the strengths of the congregation and say, well, these are people who have the gift of strategy, right? Um, Instead of someone who thinks they do, (laughs) which could be very different, right? Uh, Or hospitality or or those kinds of things. We could, it puts us in a stronger position. So I strongly encourage you to do it. We do, we do a all staff development here in January every year. When I say all staff, anyone who gets a paycheck comes. And we did the Clifton Strength Finders. And to this day, every staff member will say it was one of the best things that we did. So I strongly encourage you can sign up today online. Okay? Um, And therefore, we are talking about strengths in our Bible study, Wednesday Bible study, through the new year. And what we're trying to do for you is to raise up for you in Scripture different concepts of strengths, different people of strength, and then to apply that to our lives uh, as well. Today we're going to look at Esther. Before we do, 
Let's pray. Almighty God, gracious King, we thank you and praise you for your love to us, your people. And we pray that you would send now your Holy Spirit, that we may read these words, Lord, and and consider that perhaps we have been placed here for such a time to serve you and to do your will. Help us to see that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, so today we're going to have a couple, we'll have a contest today. I've got three chocolate bars for you, for the winners, one for each. These chocolate bars are from Pennsylvania Avenue Chocolates. This is a mission that we support, by the way. Uh, church in Baltimore, um, after the riots in Baltimore, after, uh, what was his name? Freddie Gray uh, was killed. Uh, this church in Baltimore County decided that they would create start a mission in Sandtown where this all occurred. So they've started a employment development center where people come and learn skills to find employment, and they've started a chocolate factory. Uh, if you've ever been to the Baltimore area, you may see Wackenfuss chocolate. Uh, I went to high school with the Wackenfuss girls at Baltimore Lutheran High School, and they're helping them as well. These are really delicious. Um, we are a major supporter of them because our vision is that all may know the love of Jesus. And one place that we are not is in the inner city, right? Uh, James City County, Virginia is not the inner city. We w- so we look at our mission support and we say, how can we be in the inner city? We go there and look there. Yes, ma'am. This is an LCMS mission. Although I would suggest that we're not, that is not necessary. I think most of our missions are, but for example, Ellie in Burkina Faso is not LCMS and we support him with Bibles and things like that. We would not be limited to that, but yes, this is an LCMS mission. So throughout the day today, I'll have a trivia question for you and the winner will take home a lovely chocolate from Pennsylvania Avenue chocolates. All right. And it says, be blessed. The challenge with studying Esther is that there's a lot of backstory we need to tell you <laughs> if you're not familiar. I considered showing you the veggie tale of Esther and Mordecai uh, and Haman, but it's an hour long and that would take our whole time. Uh, but I did find it, just so you know. Um, but there's a lot to tell you. So. So that we get to the point, I think, of the strength verse. So what I thought we would do first, we can't read all of Esther. It's 10 chapters, and I only have one day. So um, what first thing I thought is I would ask you briefly, what do you know about Esther? What do you know about the book of Esther? Uh, and we'll go from there. John. Oh, yeah, John, you broke the rules. You know. Yes. Yes, her name does mean it's from Aster, you're right. And it means a star, good fortune, right? So 
her, her name already goes against what she's been taught, right? So, for a chocolate, John, what is her real name? You are correct. Right. Good. Good. Someone else. What do you know about Esther? You have to wait for, you have to wait for the microphone. It's not on, though. No. There we go. It's the only book that doesn't mention God. Out of the whole 10 chapters, God is not mentioned one time. For a chocolate. What is the only other book in the Bible that does not mention God? I'll let you go first. If you don't get it, we'll open it up. Let me make sure I have the right answer <laughs> in my notes. It's not Jude. Listen, it's not your question. <laughs> you know, or are you going to pass? Anyone want to take a guess? No, I believe it is. Nope, I do know now. Give you a clue. Three words. Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon. Other book. No mention of God. So interesting, by the way, let's go back to your point, which is here you have Queen Esther, right, who is a Jewess, who, who saves her people from a horrible death and not once is any mention of God in there. Now, the powerful witness I think of Esther is there, there's lots of God action in there, right? Uh, there's lots of God motivation in there, but we don't hear a prayer. We don't hear a song. We don't hear a, a prophet. Uh, nothing. So then, uh, for the last chocolate, what Jewish holiday comes out of Esther? Raise your hand if you know. Gene. Purim. Ba, 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 ba. You've had this chocolate before, I think. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> yeah, Purim which we'll get to more in that as well. So it, so to me, that's even more fascinating, right? You even get a, not a holiday, pretty, pretty major holiday for our Jewish friends. Um, it's, much, it's much like Passover in this sense. The story of the Passover is retold to tell the salvation story of God. Same with Purim. It's a, it's a retelling of the story of Esther to be reminded of her work and Mordecai's work in saving the people. Now, I'm going to fill in those holes for you. But you're going to see a trend in Jewish culture, right? If I had another chocolate, I'd ask you, what holiday are they celebrating today? 
Yom Kippur, right? Day of Atonement. Uh, Rabbi, oh, I should have called him. I forgot. I can't call him now because he's Yom Kippur. But the day before Yom Kippur, Rabbi Katz here in Williamsburg has bacon and pork, and he has all the things he's not supposed to eat because he he atones for his sins the next day. How do you like that, Gavin? Right? So, um, yeah, (laughs) you may have seen the rabbi at, uh, 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 not at IHOP, but... um, Pierce's, <laughs> Pierce's barbecue. Who knows? Uh, so yeah, they they celebrate that. It's very, um, very much in the culture of our Jewish friends to retell the stories of salvation, which we should do. Oh, uh, Rabbi Katz. Yeah, well, he'll at least be happy. He'll have bacon full of. Uh, <laughs> Pork and all kinds of things. So that's what he's saying there. You know, I don't, I don't know that he's worried about it. Be honest with you. <laughs> you should have lunch with Rabbi. He'll explain to you what he thinks about all that. Right? So let me go through. Uh, you're going to have to hang in there a little bit. We're going to have to go through a couple things to fully understand and appreciate what is happening in Esther. But I think at the end of this, what you'll see is um, a great woman of courage and of strength that connects in a lot of ways to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel in the lion's den, and the like, right? Um, So a couple things uh, from a book that I have in my office that Pastor Lobian left me, All the Women in the Bible. Um, Esther is known as the woman who saved her nation from genocide. Uh, the meaning of Esther is a Persian name of uh, from Aster, meaning a star, implies good fortune. fortune. Um, think of a star of hope or a star of joy. This is what Esther becomes for her people, right? So, on some level, we look at we make the name work for us as well. It also means to hide, because Esther was hidden in her guardian home, and her nationality was hidden. Uh, so uh, let's talk about that for a moment. At the very beginning of Esther, uh, Esther is not the queen. Uh, the king has a queen. And mm, let's just say this. Um, the king and the queen aren't getting along. <laughs> and uh, the king summons the queen. And the queen decides she doesn't want to attend to the king. This infuriates the king. And uh, they dismiss her. They dismiss her as the queen. Why is this important to know? What is this setting us up to know about this culture and society? Women don't matter. And you'll even get a sense of that when the new queen is chosen. Um, the, The women... This is no surprise to us. The women over history, thankfully not so much in recent history, although I know women will argue how far we have come, um, and in some cases rightly so, Her, the position of the queen is fluid. And it's 100% dependent on the king. And we're shown that even before Esther is queen. Well, hold on a second. Larry's coming. 
Fair enough. I find it surprising that he didn't put her to death. And I'd also like to give a shout-out for George I, if you want to Google about his life and what he did to his wife when he was king in the 1700s. Yeah, look, uh, go back to 1964. We don't have to go too far. Go to 2019 in some countries, what women are enduring as as wives, right? Uh, and by the way, look in the United States of America, and we don't have to go far on the – the inequality that's taking place and how people are being treated. Uh, for our purposes in Esther, it's it's important to know this because when Esther takes the risks that she takes, the beginning of this chapter, how, this book helps you understand that like this, she can be discarded. Like this, she can lose everything, including her life. And so what, you'll, what we're going to find in a few minutes is that uh, Esther, Esther's courage builds. Esther doesn't come right in and say, save my people. She's a, she's a little bit like Moses to some degree, right? Moses has to warm up to it. Esther warms up to it a little bit too because she's mindful of everything she could lose. As well as mindful that she may, she's concerned she's already lost it. So hang in there. That's a teaser for what's about to come. Esther is known in our, in our Jewish circles as a woman of clear judgment, of magnificent self-control, and of noble self-sacrifice, in addition to her beauty, which is mentioned in the book of Esther. This last woman of the Old Testament, of whom we intimately know nothing really, was related to a family carried away uh, captive with Jeremiah, about 600 B.C. Esther was the daughter of, uh, I can't say the name, uh, Behail, A-B-I-H-I-L, um, who lived in Shushan, the Persian royal city. When her parents died, she came under the care of Mordecai, a palace official. So uh, here's a picture of Esther and Mordecai. Um, Mordecai works in the palace. Mordecai is Jewish. He's raised Esther as his daughter, Jewish. Um, therefore, it's interesting that she even marries the king. And um, this was already against the law. If, if he had known this, uh, it was against Persian law, uh, which held that one of the royal line must marry a wife belonging to the seven great Persian families. So regardless of her faith, she doesn't fit that criteria. However, <laughs> uh, she wins the king's favor. As we said, a peculiar feature of the book of Esther is that with the Song of Solomon, it shares the distinction of not mentioning God or any divine name once throughout its pages. The combined wisdom of Mordecai and Esther's courage becomes the means of lightening the load of the Jews under Persian rule. So um, the queen refuses to come to the king. The king dismisses. He then puts out a search for a new queen. Esther is paraded in front of uh, the king, and he chooses her because she looks pretty frankly, and uh, while she's being 
parade it. She becomes the queen. And Mordecai discovers that there's a plot against the Jews. If you could turn to Esther uh, chapter 2. I'm sorry, chapter 3. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to read some of it to you. After these things, the king, you know I can't say his name, promoted, promoted Haman. So let's talk about Haman for a moment. Haman, the chief court favorite, was the Jews' enemy, and he conceived a plan to massacre the Jews. Exhorted by Mordecai, Esther revealed her Jewish nationality to the king. This courageous action brought about a complete reversal of the decree. And we then learn what happens from there on. Esther is known for her great beauty, but through her beauty, there's shown a radiance of personality and character. So in chapter 3, Haman, this is where Haman determines he's going to eradicate the Jews. And... Um, uh, the reason he does this is interesting because there's a pattern from what we've learned. Uh, go to verse 3, uh, verse 2, I'm sorry. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. So Haman is one of the court officials. The king has promoted Haman to, in essence, be second in charge. And the king has decreed that people will bow to Haman when he walks by uh, at the end of verse three, there two, there, but Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, why do you transgress the king's command? And when they spoke to him day after day, and he would not listen to them, they told Haman in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand for he had told them and he, that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury, and he disdained, but he disdained to lay his hands on Mordecai alone. So as they had made known to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, throughout the whole kingdom. So, so what's the issue? Pride? What else? Go ahead, just say it. Control, power, arrogance. John? Yep. It, it's not clear to me from this, is he wanting to exterminate all the Jews because he just wants to smash Haman or um, Mordecai, or is it actually that he's developed a dislike for the fact that they're Jewish? Is he just sloppy and it's like, kill them all, I don't care as long as I get him? Or is it, I really hate the fact that these people exist? I can't see in the text one way. It could be one or the other. I don't know. Uh, what we learn here is that, um, well, a couple things. Here's some things we do know. And by the way, we know this from other parts in the Bible, that uh, – it seems there be there's a pattern that no one likes it when someone not of those people achieve power and notoriety, notoriety, right? 
So we saw that with Daniel. We saw that with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I think we're seeing that a bit here as well. These are a conquered people of a foreign land of whom the king is favoring. That doesn't help them, right? One. Two, I think to some degree with Haman and Mordecai, it is a bit of uh, you're not honoring me in the way that you're supposed to. Uh, Pride, lack of control. I think it's power ultimately. Um, And then... uh, you could begin to build a case that was there this issue throughout the nation. Um, The challenge with that is later on in Esther, when we get to uh, Mordecai and Esther's response and who they then go after. So, spoiler alert, this book does not end with a kumbaya, milk and honey Rec, uh, ambassadors of reconciliation coming in and saying, can't we all just get along? Uh, the book ends with Mordecai becoming very powerful and killing all of Haman. Haman's killed. All of Haman's sons are killed. All of Haman's people are killed. Anyone associated with Haman is killed. In Christ, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Love you all. So, so based on that, it seems like it's a personal thing. Um, but when you look at the wider text of the Old Testament, we do see this pattern over and over again, right? Uh, and by the way, uh, we see this prejudice throughout history, right? So um, let's speak of the Jews for a moment. This is something they cannot seem to shake even in the 21st century, where because you are a certain ethnic religious group there's an automatic um feeling against you right um and we could also expand that could we not to different tribes today christianity islam depending who you are where you are this will have some uh prejudice against you claire I have a question then that follows on John's, and I hadn't thought of it before, but are we to think in verse 4 when uh, it says that, you know, they told Haman in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand for Mordecai had told them he was a Jew, are we to think he's not bowing down uh, maybe because of his faith that says, I only bow to the one whose name we don't mention, (laughs) 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 or or, or is it personal? What What do you think? I think that's very possible, right? What we don't hear in Esther is why Mordecai is not doing it, right? So there, there are two major choices, are there not? One is what Claire said, which is it's the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego way, which is we will bow to no other gods but our God. Or it's, I don't like you, Haman. Because we do know that we assume that Mordecai bows to the king just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, just as Daniel did, right? There's that, cha- there's that challenge of giving homage, uh, respect to those in authority. We're commanded to do that in the, old, in the New Testament, whether you like them or not, right? Uh, I think maybe you've heard me tell this story. I had someone 
very upset with me that we were praying for the president of the United States uh, in church. And uh, but this is when President Obama was a president. Uh, just just to, you know, to be equal opportunity critic, I've also had someone complain while President Trump is the president. And the first thing I said to them, the first question they had for me was, do I write the prayers each Sunday? And uh, the answer is typically no. I use the, the prayers provided by the church. Um, sometimes I use the Missouri Senate prayers. Sometimes I use the ELCA prayers. Sometimes I use Episcopal I look at all different kind of prayers, depending on how they fit with what we're saying on Sunday. Um, so that they were upset about that because then they couldn't blame me for that, right? Uh, and then I reminded them that in Scripture we're commanded to pray for those in authority over us. So their response was, well, you don't have to say their name, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Um, it's like, uh, I, then, I, then, of course, would you, especially if you don't like their policies and their and who they are, that's exactly when you should pray for them, right? So um, I think here, for our purposes, we can assume the best of Mordecai, that Mordecai is a man of faith who does not want, he will pay respect to the king, but he's not going to honor, I'll use the word, false kings, false gods, right, um, and the like. Clearly, there's something between Mordecai and Haman. Haman decides all the Jews will be killed. And by the way, he has the power to do it. He's the number two guy in charge. All right. So uh, Mordecai hears about this. And this is where we get to chapter four, uh, which is what we're going to uh, look at a little bit as well. Oh, here's the wedding picture of the king and Queen Esther. They, they sent it to me on their Instagram. Uh, so they love each other. Um so let's look at these. Let's look at chapter four a little bit. This is what we're going to focus on just a bit, okay? And then we'll share with you the other chapters as well. So I'd like to read. Would someone be willing to read chapter four? Don't worry about saying the names correct. It's Mordecai. It's Esther. Uh, it's Haman. But you know, I can hardly say the names myself. So, uh, someone read that for me, Mike. Hold on. Thank you. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city, and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance to the king's gate, for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the king's command and his decree reached, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's young women and her eunuchs came and told her, the queen was deeply distressed. She sent garments and to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off a sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called for Hadach, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what, was, what this was and why it was. Hathach went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that, he had, hap all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. 
And Hathach went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathach and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come to the king these these 30 days. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that the king's palace, in the king's palace, you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from, from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for these three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. So I want to hear what you've heard and what jumped out to you. But one of the, when I was reading this, first I decided to just to study chapter 4 with you. Then I realized I had to read the whole book of Esther just to be prepared, for, just to be reminded of all that's in there. And when, when I went back to chapter 4, it's kind of like a soap opera, right? You go tell him this. Okay, you go back and tell him this. Okay, you tell him this, right? It's almost like a middle school soap opera on some level, Um which I thought was kind of funny. But there's a lot of rich things in here, and I'm curious what you heard, what jumped out to you, what, 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 what spoke to you in this chapter. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. The roles, Linda. Have, roles have changed a little bit with Mordecai and Esther. He, was, he, he raised her. He brought her up, and now he is listening to her. He, she's telling him what to do. Yeah, she, it's a good point that, um, but by the way, believe it or not, uh, at the end of this book, it is Mordecai who gains great power and uh, great respect, respect throughout the land, interesting enough. But it's Esther who's got everything to lose. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, um, there's this go-between between Mordecai and Esther, but ultimately it is Esther who creates the I'll say this, the plan of salvation. I'll say it that way. It's Mordecai who pushes her to say, hey, uh, to me the strength verse is uh, this verse here, uh, Esther 4.14. Who knows but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this, right? That's Mordecai's strength verse for Esther. And we're going to talk about how this is a strength verse for you. But it's ultimately Esther who's got to do it. Linda. It didn't seem like it took her any time to reply. She didn't go away and say, let me think about this. I'm, she came out with an answer right away. Yeah, it's as fast. It does seem fast-paced. Not sure the timing here. Um, unlike Moses, when you read the account of Moses, you know, where it's, there seems to be this give and take between God and Moses, there's only really one aspect of doubt for Esther here 
Did you pick up on it? What was the one, what's the one cautionary um, doubt for Esther? Good, John's got it over here. And it's important, it's an important one. As I would put it, I think she's trying to tell him the glitter has rubbed off. Yeah, why? She doesn't know, but just the glitter has rubbed off. Yeah, but what, but what do we know? What? Yes, I hear, I hear what you're saying, but what do we? What does Esther tell us? Is is a problem in the plan? She hasn't seen the king for thirty days. She hasn't been called for thirty days. That's bad. Uh, thirty days in six hundred BC is an eternity, <laughs> right? The king's not watching Netflix. He's not tweeting. <laughs> he, there's not a lot to do. And she's not been called one, problem number one. What's problem number two? Claire? She doesn't have the right to just walk in. Yeah. She can't just knock on the door and say, honey, sweetheart, <laughs> can we have a conversation? In fact, it she risks being killed to go in the king's presence without being invited. So these are the two hurdles Esther has to overcome. And she kind of tells Mordecai, listen, <laughs> my words, I'd like to help you, but I don't know that I'm much help. And Mordecai says what I think is the strength verse, which is maybe said another way, maybe you're our only hope. By the way, Mordecai, is, Mordecai does not lock power. He's an official in the king's court, but she's the queen. Hang on to this for a moment. Something else that you heard. Yes, sir. Coming up to the front. Mordecai uh, shows some flexibility because initially he's very much opposed to us going in. And he, he comes around. Yeah. And that's important for her to know. The bolsters her strength. Okay, good. Yeah. What Mordecai's response to all this has been weeping and, and wailing, right? He's sackcloth is a very customary uh the sackcloth and ash is hopelessness and death and mourning and grief. Um and this is what he this is his response to this. Esther and her and her great nature says, well, let's give him, let's give him some new clothes. Let's give him some hope, right? Uh, and perhaps by that act of kindness, maybe she's, she's signaling that she, she is in a position to help, right? She is the queen. Um, and they come around to this plan. And by the way, the, what the plan turns out to be is that the queen has a banquet for the king. The queen has a banquet for the king and Haman. And at the banquet for the king and Haman, um, she almost does a Nathan. Right? Uh, Nathan, I'm right? King David and Nathan? Sometimes all these guys get in my head and I can't remember. I don't have memory as the top strength anymore. Um, and who remembers what Nathan does? He reveals, he reveals the king's sin, right? You are that man, right? Yes. And Queen Esther does the same. Queen Esther says in this banquet, hey, what if there was someone that you really liked and you really honored and 
they were being they were going to be in, uh, annihilated. And the king says, "Well, I'd be very upset about that." Well, guess what? This guy's doing that, and then Haman's killed. Right, John? Yes. To me, the thing that makes her like Nathan is she gets the king angry. Bless you. He's 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 angry at this point. It's like I don't let you what who. And before identifying, all right, here's the relationship. It's yeah. that guy right there. Right. That you are angry at. Wait until you're angry first and because and you know why you're angry. You're angry at that guy. That's a good point. And Nathan is like, you want to you slit this guy's throat? Well, here's the knife because you are the man. Yeah, that's a good point. Esther brilliantly creates a story that, that infuriates the king and then reveals who the subject of that story is after she riles him up a little bit. There is a little side story I think, I think you'd all enjoy. And then I'm going to try to land this plane for you. See the issue with doing Esther in 50 minutes uh, after all my tangents? Go to uh, chapter 6 for a moment. It's really this beautiful, fun little side event. Um, it's sort of like a Hallmark movie where you kind of know the ending of the Hallmark movie, but in the middle of the Hallmark movie, the person that you don't like really gets it, right? gets it to him. So uh, I'm going to read portions of this for you. On that night, the king could not sleep, and he gave orders to bring the book of memorable deeds. We should have a book like that, a book of memorable deeds. The Chronicles, and they were read before the king. And I guess it's called a diary, right? <laughs> And it was found written how Mordecai had told about these two guys, <laughs> the, the, uh, Big, big, big Thana and Teresh, Teresh uh, who, uh, two of the king's eunuchs, who guarded the threshold and who had sought to lay hands on the king. And the king said, what honor or distinction has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? The king's young men who attended him said, nothing has been done for him. And the king said, well, who's in the court? Now, Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to speak to the king about having Mordecai hanged on the gallows and he, that he had prepared for him. And the king's young men told him, well, Haman is here standing in the court. And the king said, well, let him come in. So Haman came in and the king said to him, what should be done to the man whom the king delights to honor? And Haman said to himself, whom would the king delight to honor more than me? And Haman said to the king, For the man whom the king delights to honor, let royal robes be brought from the king that the king has worn, and the horse the king has ridden, and on, on whose head the king on royal crown is set. And let the robes and the horse be handed over to the one the king most noble officials. Let them dress the man whom the king delights to honor, and let them lead him on the horse to the square of the city, proclaiming before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. <laughs> this is so great. Then the king said to Haman, hurry, take the robes and the horse as you have said, and do so to Mordecai, the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Leave out nothing that you have mentioned. So Haman took the robes and the horse. He dressed Mordecai and led him through the square in the city, proclaiming, thus shall it be done for the man whom the king delights. Can you imagine this, right? Mordecai, Haman thinks it's him, 
and it's Mordecai, and Haman has to take Mordecai and do this, this may be where the term mortified came through, right? He was mortified by this. So uh, Esther does all this, and it's revealed that Haman is trying to kill her people. She saves her people, right? And here we have again, who knows that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. And here's a reminder to you. Here's the strength verse, friends, I think. God uses the unexpected for such a time like this. A couple things we learn from Esther. One, uh, she honored, she keeps her pledges. She tells Mordecai she will do something. She does it. She saves her people, even risking death. And uh, ultimately brings them back to a position of power and authority. Uh, Mordecai explains what's happening and pleads to Esther. Um, Esther then goes to the king. Uh, Just so you know, the Persian custom that anyone who approached the king uninvited would be put to death unless pardoned by the king. Esther could have written a note to the king and requested an audience. But perhaps due to the situation, she did not think of this. She also may have assumed that she had lost favor with the king because he had not summoned her for a month. Of course, she's concerned for her own life, but she does it anyway. And here is a here is an artistic. I think it's a I think it's a uh, cloth uh, upholstery. Thank you, tapestry by. Six o'clock tonight, I'll have all the words right. Of the king extending his uh, golden scepter to Esther. If you haven't known, I love all these things. I usually try to put them in there. I love all the different views of these things. But for us today, I want you to be thinking about this for you. Are you Esther? Are you the Esther of your time? Are there moments where God is saying to you, Uh, maybe you are here for such a time as this. Uh, I think it's easy in a world of, um, in the world we live in today, to sometimes wonder, why am I here? Right? What's my purpose? And here Mordecai and Esther give us this, this, this really beautiful insight that maybe we don't know it, maybe it's not been revealed, but you are here for a reason. Uh, for such a time as this. And that time could be small, it could be great. Uh, but you have purpose. And here are some great examples of that, right? Um, I always find it interesting that fishermen were here for such a time as this, right? Let's read this together. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. They're just fishing. They're just doing what they do all all the time, every day. They're probably doing what their dads did and what their granddads did. 
and what their great-granddad did, right? Um, And their great-granddad could not have known that he was there to have the granddad, who could not have known to have the dad, who could not have known to have Peter, who would be the gr- arguably the greatest disciple of Christ, right? And so uh, I, I don't know what everyone's purpose is, but I believe that God uses us for such the time that we're in. And here is an example of God using regular old guys to be Esther, to in essence proclaim a message of salvation, to be part of the greatest salvation story. Or I think of Paul, right? I think of Paul, we won't read this all together, but this is the conversion of Paul in Acts 9, who, who Paul thought his purpose was one thing, and it ended up being a completely other thing. He was blind to what his purpose was, until God ultimately revealed that to him. So Ananias answered, I love this. <laughs> uh, this Ananias is supposed to go and bring Paul to the, to, the, to the light, right? Lord, I have heard from many, from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. For the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went, uh, went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on them, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he rose and was baptized. And when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days there. So first of all, put your, put your, put your shoes in Ananias's, right? Your feet in Ananias's shoes. My guess is he didn't think he'd be the one to, in essence, um, ordain Paul. And yet he did. And then there's Paul who thought he would do one thing and then another. Is it possible that King of Glory is here for such a time? Is it possible that we're connecting and growing and living that all men are the love of Jesus in the unique way that King of Glory is so that whatever happens, happens? I'd like to think that that's true. And I'd like to think that we will always be a mission station that thinks that way and that you're part of this mission station for that, right? Look, on any given day, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, and and who who's going to need to hear what and how they're going to need to hear it. But I, I do believe we're here for that reason. Are we here to be an Esther in someone's life? Yeah. What about you? I don't think, I don't think we can read the book of Esther without looking in the mirror. You know, a good sermon title for this would be Queen for a Day. <laughs> right? Queen for a Day. You do a lot with that. <laughs> you know, um, Karn. Yeah. 
I was I listened to a Christian station on the radio. Uh, very refreshing to mix it in with the other things you like to hear. So it's 91.5. And the other day, a preacher who takes a few minutes every week to speak to the people, and he was saying, if you feel you're a little overwhelmed with your Christianity and you can't be the best Christian today, um, do one thing of kindness for someone. Because that moment, you may be the greatest Christian. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we, we got a new refrigerator yesterday. I've been married 25 years. It's the first time that we have a refrigerator that dispenses water and ice. You would think that we uh, won the lottery at our house. Uh, and this refrigerator, you can, you can tell it. We want eight ounces of water, Boop. and it will dispense eight ounces of water Boop. right there. It's like the Jetsons, right? So Max and Noah, if you needed water yesterday, Max and Noah were your people. Anybody want a drink? Anyone need a drink? Get some water for the right. Um, the two men who delivered the refrigerator, I didn't, I didn't say who I was or what I do or anything like that. At the end, he shook my hand and he said, "God bless you." And the way he said it, right, he, he meant it. For me, he meant it. It wasn't like, a, you know, again, he didn't know what I do, anything like that. And I said, you know what, thank you for that. And he said, I always try to leave a house with a blessing. Ah, that's really cool, right? Um, we could do that. Especially without a refrigerator that dispenses water and ice, right? <laughs> Uh, but we uh, sometimes you help, thank you, Karin. Sometimes it doesn't mean that you're the king or queen. Sometimes it means you're that simple, small voice of encouragement, of consistency, of dedication, of prayer, right? Of prayer. Um, but certainly. Um, I think it's important that we as disciples, we as a mission station, uh, we as followers of Christ be asking, and maybe our strength verse is, Lord, Lord, how can I be your Esther today? How can I be your Esther today? Or if you're on the other end of that, say, Lord, help me to know what my Esther is, my, my purpose is today. Help me to know that. In our prayers today, um, we want to pray uh, for Tara. Tara has been quite sick uh, with some kind of stomach flu bug. So she is still out. And Gail, my wife Gail, is home second day now with something. But we've got plenty of cold water for her. And uh, we can't use the ice for 24 hours. So we were very disappointed in that. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to ask you to pray for my neighbor, John, who finds out today Next steps. I took him a prayer shawl on Sunday, and uh, the, the tumor is 10 centimeters in his stomach. And uh, I guess at five or below, they will operate five or higher. There's other courses of chemotherapy. So he goes today to the oncologist to find out. Thank you. My brother in law is cancer free. 
is cancer-free, back to work. Uh, they did leave the feeding tube port in, my sister was telling me, just in case, because he was having his, uh, when you have anything up here, in fact, talk to Mike McKenna about that, because he had cancer in his nose too. It completely destroys your your taste. And he still, my brother-in-law, Vince, still has not had his taste buds come back. So he doesn't, eating is a challenge for him, but at least he's well enough to eat and to know to eat. Um, so, but thank you. He is cancer-free. His birthday was last week. That's great. John, yeah. We're praying for John's So kidneys coming out on the 12th of November. Yeah, we've got to keep the other one in. Okay. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we come before you now uh, grateful for the opportunities you give us to be your people. We pray today, Lord. Uh, with thanksgiving for the witness of Esther and Mordecai. Uh, Help us, Lord, to stand strong and courageous in the truth that you uh, have given to us through Christ our Lord. And help us, Lord, to be an Esther, to be uh, mindful that we we are here, Lord, for such a time as this. And we pray that this mission station and we as disciples would find purpose in you. We pray today with thanksgiving for Vince, who's cancer-free. We pray for John Pearson, who finds out today the course of treatment. Uh, We pray for John Bookless, who is preparing for surgery. And we pray, Lord, for all those in our prayer guide. In all these cases, Lord, bring healing, uh, bring hope, bring restoration. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everyone, for your time today. I think next week is David and Goliath. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and His people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.